This episode of The Swell Pod is brought to you in partnership with Kiln. Kiln provides flex office space for teams and individuals. Their all-inclusive set of amenities helps startups, creatives, and entrepreneurs alike get work done. Learn more about Kiln at kiln.co. What does it take to create something that never existed before? What does it take to challenge the status quo? What does it take to change the world? This is The Swell Podcast. We're passionate about the seed of an idea and how it swells into a movement. Take a journey with us as we seek the answers to those three questions through the stories of thought leaders, world builders, game changers, disruptors, and other pleasantly rebellious humans who've ventured out into the unknown on a personal journey to do something novel, innovative, creative, or disruptive. So, Spencer, who do we have today? Yeah, in today's episode, we chat with Ron Ross and Brett Barlow. Ron is the co-founder and president and a chief operating officer of Every, uh, also a board member and a former CFO. Now, Brett uh, Barlow is the CEO currently of Every, and previously, he's been on the leadership teams of Pluralsight and Skullcandy, helping them both go to IPO. Uh, so in this session, we dive into their current mission of Every to solve the problem of getting workers their pay faster, more frequently. Uh, who wouldn't want that? Um, so this in this session, we, it actually, he actually shares a personal story from his daughter leaving home and going to full-time education. Some of the problems that she faced with paying bills and also being paid uh, quicker or slower in this case. Um, so we find out about that in this in the session. It's going to be a good session. Yeah, absolutely. We hope you guys enjoy the story of Every and these people who made this idea something real. So enjoy. Good. Yeah, good. So this is the first time we've actually had two guests. Okay. Uh, and so I'm, it's going to be even better. Uh, and we didn't want to do this without uh, both of you here. So uh, thanks for coming to the Swell podcast at Kiln. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Um, so first of all, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, both sure. of you, and, sure. uh, and, and maybe just intro into after that into what, what Every is and why it was formed? Yeah. Why don't I, I'll talk about myself and you can lead into the every because we're here because of Ron. I got to, you know, praise him um, on that side. Um, born and raised in Utah. Um, I came, you know, I was raised on the mean streets of Farmington where, you know, Lagoon and Cherry Hill up in the north and uh, um, went to the University of Utah, got married, been married for 25 years, uh, pretty active you know, lifestyle and three kids. And um, I've done a tour of duty in Utah startups that I never thought I would end up uh, living or, excuse me, working in Utah County as much as I did, being from up north or in Salt Lake area. But I've met a lot of great people. I've been at Ancestry.com, Omniture before Adobe, um, LogoWorks, which are, um, we sold to, to Hewlett Packard. And so professionally, um, spent a lot of time in the startup kind of disruption world, which just fascinates me and I love it. And then by some miracle, I ended up at Skull Candy, and uh, that's where I met Ron. And uh, we became fast friends. Um, you know, there were some challenging times that we had, some exhilarating, wonderful times, but also going public and at one point being the most shorted stock on NASDAQ. Um, 
that can create, that's some pressure, you know, and you start to, you, you can really, you find out who your friends are in tough moments in the trenches. Um, Jeremy Andrus was leading us through that, and we just, uh, we formed a really good friendship there, realized you know, the type of people you want to be around. Um, so just professionally from there, I went to Pluralsight, where I was the chief marketing officer, and then the chief brand officer, and kind of was on the leadership team there through that IPO. And, uh, you know, I got, that, that was exhausting. There was a couple runs there that were exhausting, so I took some time off. And uh, I didn't let him. Yeah. <laughs> Ron started he, he blowing was, up my phone. Retired. Yeah, and I was like, no, you're not going to be retired. You'll be bored in a week. You got too much left in the tank, Barlow. Get up. Get over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, as Cliff notes, that's just, I guess, yeah. a synopsis of my, my story. But I'll hand the every part to Ron because all this is his idea, and it, I think it's, well, I think it's awesome. Yeah, sure. So I'll just give a, a bit of background. Um, so I'm from Utah, too. Uh, went to the University of Utah. Then I spent uh, just short of five years uh, back east. So I did a master's program at Boston University and then an MBA at Bentley College in Massachusetts. And then we moved our family back here and... I did a short stint uh, in public accounting and, you know, I lasted about three years and I always say that that was about two and a half years too long. Um, I knew right away it wasn't my love. There's some great people there and, it, you know, it works for some people. It just wasn't, wasn't for me. And so I, uh, I jumped into my first startup as a controller and that lasted about a year and then I ended up at Skullcandy where uh, I met Brett. That was about, what, four and a half, five years there? Uh, we did a, we got a good run. It was a good run. I think we were, uh, you joined, I think, a month before I did. Yep. And when we joined, there were, I don't know, maybe 30 employees mm -hmm. somewhere in there. And when we left, um, I don't know, somewhere around 300. 300, gone, taking it public. Yeah, so a lot of experiences in those four years that, like Brett said, you're, you're in the trenches and you see like um, good and bad. And Brett and I, of course, just uh, developed a good relationship and kept that uh, relationship after. So after uh, Skull Candy, I was in one, two, three, three other companies as CFO. Um, and actually two other companies, and then this would be my third. And uh, uh, as a CFO, I, you know, I'd used a bunch of payroll uh, software. I'd used ADP and Paychex, Paylocity, um, Zenefits, Gusto. So payroll was like something I was very used to and accustomed to. And it was- uh, How bad it was. Uh, the good and the bad in, <laughs> yeah. in that world, yeah, for sure. And uh, it was in 2017, so I was a CFO at a company called Team. And my daughter, Eliza, at that time, uh, she left home to go to college, and she was going down to UVU and uh, living off campus with some friends, and she had a job, and she was making enough to pay her bills, and I had kind of spent time with her to make sure she was, you know, going to be okay. Um, but she kept coming to me month after month um, in need of these short-term loans, and what was basically happening was uh, her rent was coming due, 
and she had worked, but she just hadn't been paid for that work. And so she just needed a, you know, a loan to cover her for a few days, which is basically a payday loan. You know, she, you know, I stepped in to help her during those times, but it happened enough where I, I began thinking about her experience um, and payroll as a process. You know, did the two-week payroll cycle really work for uh, people? And the more I spent thinking about it, you know, it's, it's not a very good process, and it puts people that are living paycheck to paycheck in this really uh, difficult uh, situation where, you know, if emergency comes up or if a bill comes due and they had worked but they just didn't have the, the pay, you know, from that effort, um, what do they do? And oftentimes people go either rack up uh, money on a credit card or they go to a, you know, a friend or a family member or they go, uh, worst case is they go to a payday lending institution and that puts them in a vicious cycle of debt that's hard to get out of. And so as a CFO, I was like, that's, okay, that's a interesting problem. Um, it's a big market. And could you do something different besides what traditionally had been done in payroll? And so the light bulb went off and started thinking more and more about that problem and uh, found a way to solve it. And that became every. And then, so light bulb went off and you called Brett. <laughs> like, is he that, was, so he was one happened? of the first people I called. Yeah. But it was... Uh, it was probably, let's see, that happened in the summer of 2017 when my daughter left home for uh, college. And I, you know, I set, I mulled on that and analyzed it for, boy, a good six, seven months. Really? And I didn't really say anything to anybody. Um, you know, I'm not what you would call a typical entrepreneur. Like, you, some entrepreneurs, you... You just know that person's an entrepreneur. They walk in the room and they're like this magnetic personality and, you know, big <laughs> and loud and we're going to command the room. That's not me. Like I, I'm a, you know, finance person, accounting person, kind of a, I'm not a big personality. So thinking about launching a business and being an entrepreneur, that was scary. That was, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing. So no, I, I didn't really talk about it, um, for months and months, uh, I just posted on LinkedIn today, actually. Um, so I didn't even tell my wife that I was thinking about it. She knew that I was, like, analyzing something and that I, there was a problem that I wanted to solve and potentially launch She's probably a relieved the secret you were keeping was <laughs> a business that you were starting <laughs> in, not, not something a little more what nefarious. Are like, what are you thinking what? about, oh, yeah. What are you doing? She knew I was, I was thinking about, you know, solving this problem, but I, I wasn't, I didn't tell her, like, I... I just wasn't comfortable enough at that point to tell her. And then we were in Hawaii. Um, we were on a trip with some friends. It was a surf trip. Um, and by the way, I'm not a good surfer. Like I want to be, but I'm just not a good surfer. So we were on the beach and, you know, she, she said, are you going to tell me about this thing that you're thinking about, this problem you're wanting to solve? And so I, it was just a moment where I said, okay, I'll, I'll pitch it to you. And, uh, it was um, it was uh, encouraging, I would say. Um, so, anyways, I started just more and more, just opening up, and I, we went out to breakfast. I think. Yeah, 
It was just a pretty standard Draper quick serve restaurant and you laid it out on a napkin for me. And that probably, timeline wise, was probably in like March, I would say. Yeah. March, April. Yeah, there was something about that conversation. I wasn't in a place to really engage full time in something, but seeing his passion, knowing what he's about and that he wouldn't really go in deep unless he felt really strongly and had something there. But the light bulbs just started to go off for me in this lunch. But this is, for me, pre-IPO of Pluralsight. I wasn't really going to be leaving to go anywhere. Sure. But, but, yeah, let me help. So I joined yeah. the board pretty, pretty soon after that. Yeah. It's kind of consultant help out, not consultant really, just friend helping out. Yeah. And it's smart. It started off small. Like I, it took me a while to kind of extract me and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I, it took me a while to get there. Um, but eventually I, I had actually, uh, built this whole model, uh, of payroll in Excel. Um, if you can think about that. And so I was like, I had built the whole thing in my own way. And I had a brother who he ran a dental, dental office. He's a dentist. And so there's a few people I said, hey, will you let me process payroll for you? And they didn't really know like it wasn't a product yet, but I could do it. And so we started, uh, I started processing payroll for a few companies. And um, then I started talking with people like Brett. He was one of the first people I talked with. Um, and there were some uh, people that I had worked with in the past, Tyler Pluger being one of them, Kyle Jacobson, uh, Derek Newbold, uh, Piers Mainwaring. These are the what I would consider our, our founding group, people that were like early that I went to and said, hey, this is a problem I'm interested in solving. Can, can you, uh, are you interested in, and how can you help me tackle this problem? And so eventually I turned what I had built over to them and they, they took what I had built and productized it. And um, Launched basically- in August of 19. Yeah, officially. Yeah, officially in the, Put the, the product out there. And by then we had, I don't know, maybe 10 companies that we were, we were working with and paying their employees on an accelerated basis, even up to every day, which is just not something that's done. Um, I think when market. most people hear about payroll, they have PTSD. If you've ever had to run it, yeah. it's like, oh man, I don't want to, that's hard. Yeah. That's, you know, it's painful and it's kind of just in some ways boring like you know if you're light if you have electricity your light should just turn on payroll should just run people don't really think about it so in that sense it could be considered maybe not exciting but if you take the other side of it it is so perfect for disruption it's been done the same way for decades forever um, and really when you're talking about people's personal finances and the ups and downs and the life-changing elements that come with working and being compensated for that work, there's something actually pretty life-changing about it. And that's one of the things that, yeah. that really got me excited about it was, oh, this is something completely different. Like at Skullcandy, we didn't invent headphones, but we did it different than anybody else was doing it. Uh, Pluralsight didn't in, you know, invent training per se, but took a completely different approach. There's an addressable market and a need mm -hmm. where you can go out and do something really different and you know, it's just a big opportunity to help people. Um, really, yeah. I mean, getting into, like, it's about paying people fast. 
Um, it's about compensating people for the work that they've done. Like, why would a payroll company make money off of your sweat equity by holding on to that? You should have that. You should have it in your pocket. And some of the larger payroll companies, what they hold, I mean, how a process works is you, your payday is on the 15th. You have to process it on the 10th or something like that. Traditional payroll holds on to your dollars for two days, three days, four days, and they're making money off of that float. So what's their incentive to change? Nothing. We flipped that on its head. Ron's, like his concept and what he thought about is actually, I mean, it's genius. It's mobile, it's flexible, and we have the ability to get people paid same day for the days that the, they've, for the wages that they've earned. Yeah. It's incredible and what it does. That's one of the unique parts about it where, um, you know, as a CFO, I knew that there would be some businesses that would want to accelerate the ability for their employees to get paid faster, but that, you know, their cash flow and the way their business operated wouldn't accommodate, you know, speeding up those payments. And so the, the way that we tackled it was uh, for those ty- kind of businesses, there's an ability for them to make those payments to their employees, but do, in a way, in a, do it in a way where they're leveraging a credit facility that we have with our banking partner. So it, it's basically credit supported. Um, and so we, we push the payments out to their employees during an open pay period, and then we settle up at the end of the pay period and close all those out. So the, uh, the employees of these companies, they get the benefit of getting their pay just really fast. And the business doesn't have to change or disrupt their cash flow cycle. And it's just a perfect type of yeah. approach to it. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the fact that, sorry, just going back to when you were t- talking about your daughter. And I mean, it's just so, something you were inspired to do, really, ultimately. You just sure. couldn't let this go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could You could have, I suppose, could have t- tried to do that, but you, you felt like you had to do it. Right. And, sure. uh, and a friend also saw that yeah. sincerity and the you know inspiration behind it and wanted to be a part of it. And I, I, I'm sure. impressed that. So the, I guess the USP is that you can, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's a really great platform. Maybe you can talk about that later on, but that's going to be easy for everyone to use, not just the, the, the you know, the actual employee, employer, but the actual employee gets something you know, much sooner. If and they can choose, right? They can choose daily, weekly, and, and maybe a combination. Yeah, or on demand. Like yeah. They've built up some earnings and want to tap into it. Sure. If you've yeah. created a Lyft account, you could sign up for every, I mean, it's just... It's mobile first. It's just what you would expect. It's it's very simple. And you're right. It's flexibility and choice is what we're offering. Yeah. And you're disrupting an employee experience, though. I mean, that's what yeah. interesting. Could, it's you, funny you know, say that because our mission is to humanize the exchange of value between yeah. employers and employees. Right. There's a fundamental mismatch where companies will inherently do what's best for them or helping to change is what's best for them is really what's best for the employees that are providing all right. of that that yeah. equity and, and value to them. Yeah. Um, just, to, uh, just to add on a little bit of Ron, I think if you would look at us, we've tried to do things right in a sense in a career like what you'd expect, like, okay, go to college, get a job, like do all those things that you hear of traditional people doing. Well, I did that. I had, you know, I've been married. My wife and I were both working. And we had children, and we're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, it's a really lonely feeling to feel like you're, you know, quotation marks, highly educated, capable of working and working in a white collar, you know, corporate gig, 
and considering that a payday loan might be the viable option to get you through to Friday because, you know, your carburetor broke. You just can't make that, that bridge work. And why is that? There's this, it's not like Mariah and I were doing something out of bounds or irresponsible. We just, you know, couldn't quite make ends meet. So it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not just a problem for maybe low wage earners. There is a fundamental mismatch in the way people are paid and compensated for the work that they've done. Yeah, and, and what you see historically is, um, so because of the inefficiencies that exist in payroll, there have been, um, I would say, uh, big kind of tectonic things that have happened that have tried to tackle that, payday lending being one of them. And they're, they're, they're tackling uh, that in a way that's detrimental to the, to the worker. So payday lending, you know, they, they're just tackling that mismatch in timing and then getting you know these workers in this cycle of debt, and uh, there's also overdraft fees. So people that expect to be paid at a certain time, or they have a bill, and they kind of push that out, trying to time that appropriately, and they get dinged with an overdraft fee. You know these are these are billion dollar issues, just big big issues that shouldn't really exist if you gave the employee right. their pay in more in real time. Mm. And it's the way I, I think payroll really should work. Um, but it just ended up in a place because of, you know, if you go back in time, software just really wasn't capable of, of handling, you know, a more accelerated uh, cycle. Uh, the banking world wasn't, um, wasn't really uh, in a place where, that, where you can move money around uh, freer, you know, quicker. And that doesn't exist right now. You know, same day ACH, you can, you can move money between bank accounts and it all happens in the same day. And software can accommodate that flexibility and, and um, uh, allowing for employers to pay their employees faster. It just so happens that you know big payroll companies they originated back in time when those things didn't exist and kind of got stuck yeah. doing things that way, and that just became the norm. That's great. And we represent something that's different. That's yeah. beautiful. I wonder whether your daughter has shares in the company now that she inspired the whole thing. And but, but and how often do you pay your kids? You know, your your, your, your uh, whatever you call it, your money. Uh, if they've the earned it, we'll pay them. Yeah, quick. Is, it, is it like real time now? Um, sorry, <laughs> they have, have to earn it, but sure. Well, so it's interesting because <clears throat> I love that you had this really like this fascinating problem that you really latched onto. Sure. Um, you know, and that pushed you out into this area that you wouldn't, you weren't sure that you were the, like, whether it was personality wise or whatever, right. You just mm -hmm. felt like that wasn't in the past. You didn't see that, that necessarily being what you saw yourself as, and that motivated sure. you to, to push into that. And so I'm wondering from your perspective, then, you know, to jump into this as well, what was it that really motivated you yeah. to go and to, to do this and, and, and go ultimately disrupt the value system, right. Yeah. Between employer and employee, was it his story and his vision or, or that personal connection that he had to it, or was there something else? Before, so, actually, before you jump in there, yeah. so I, I invited Brett early on to, to be a board member. So he came on as a board and right. was you know, providing value uh, that way because I, I knew operations and finance and that part of the business. That was kind of my world. Sales and marketing, just not my jam, not something that I really know very well. But this guy, of course, that's his really? expertise. And yeah. so being a friend, I was like, he was one of the first people I went to that said, Hey, I need some guidance, some help. Yeah. Come help me. 
uh, you guys are probably familiar with the brand Ruka. They have a they have a tagline: "The balance of opposites." Mm. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. In contrast, and the value you get from different ideas and different thinking. If um, on paper we're totally opposite: extrovert, introvert, operations, finance, sales, and marketing. But um, I think morally, ethically, aspirationally, the things that we value in our lives, like we're very connected on that. So that makes a really easy partnership between the two of us and for fun conversations because one topic, we, we're literally coming at it from different sides, sure. but we end up orbiting the same place. And we're, I mean, I, I love working with him. I think we really balance each other out. I and think we both had experiences at times where that didn't, you know, you're in a business and it doesn't mesh and things don't work out as yeah. well. And so building this company, I wanted to make sure, Hey, I'm, I'm planning on, you know, building this and being involved in this and solving this problem for years to come. Mm. And I want to involve people that I enjoy, mm. you know, being. In it's supposed to be so, fun, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. it's supposed to be fun. I can't tell you well, how, <laughs> how important that is to actually be around, you know, surrounded with people that you enjoy working yeah. with. I think most people, they either have it written down or it's in their head, have a list of the top 10 things that are important for them in a career or life or work-life balance. And as I thought about this opportunity, this just checked all the boxes. You know, can I, can I influence the culture or have a strong influence in the culture? I have a, I'd say this a lot, but a strict no a-hole policy. Can we, you know, is this a place where that can be, the case we can bring that to life and he values that we value people are we disrupting a business or, or an industry i don't you know i don't want to just be doing the same thing i want challenges and i it's fun to have kind of a david and goliath thing like there's a mountain to climb or there's a goliath to to take down and that's fun i, I like that that challenge and so that's exciting for me i think when you look at businesses one of an indicator for success is if a leadership group has worked together in the past. Mm. Um, th and we've done that. Ron and I, other people that we've brought into the business, either he has or I have or we have collectively, mm -hmm. there's the type of people that you know that have, um, you don't want to have everybody the same. I really do value like the diversity of thought and background and, and all of those things that come with it, but a similarity of experience of knowing oh, okay, when the chips are down, I know how you act. When things are hard, I know how you react. And building it from scratch, there's that pressure that comes with it. If, if, if we blow it, it's, we blew it, but also we have the opportunity to build it up in a way that's, um, you know, the way that we have always wished that we had in businesses. I think we've experienced highs and lows good managers, bad managers, good business strategy, bad business strategy. And uh, it's fun to come in. You're, you're asking like, well, why, why do this? There's all of those things mm -hmm. that added up to, man, this is 10 out of 10. Why not? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just an exciting proposition for me. Yeah. So. And I, I would say that extends to um, our executive team and to the employees that we have working with us. I mean, we've, we, we have a really great culture that works and, it's a healthy one too, where we, you know we can tackle really hard issues and problems, and not it, not have it be, um, you know, anger or, or things that, that are unhealthy that happen uh, as a result of that. So, 
that even extends to you know our our board members and our investors. We just seems like we've uh, surrounded the business all around with just really great people. Yeah, I, and I love that you even met, like both of you just mentioned culture. I think that that's really interesting, and the fact that you had this ability to to build this culture into something that I think represented what you guys both value so much. Sure. And you know, hearing things like David, like this David and Goliath story, that alone, I think that that amount of conflict that you're going to face, I think, through that journey is 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 an interesting experience to share with with an entire company. And I'm sure that's sure. really yeah. inspirational and aspirational. And uh, I love that. So what 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 are some of the other things like no a holes and mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the David and Goliath? That should just be life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that principle. <laughs> yeah. What what else do you guys feel like you're trying to shape? your culture into in a way that you can go on this, this sure. David and Goliath journey. I like to think that Ron and I are people that lead from the middle, mm. which isn't maybe typically you would hear. There's people that sit in front of the battle and, you know, let's charge and behind like, okay, go, 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 go get them. We're in the trenches. We're in the middle of it. And we're not afraid to make the hard calls, but we are building this together. And I hope that it's always like that. Mm. I think there's a, you know, when you scale and you get larger, naturally senior leaders get a little more and more detached from the business. And I'm hoping that we always preserve that um, grassroots element of, of the business. Everybody feels that there's no job too big or small. If there were, if people still faxed, I would fax, you know, I'm not afraid to sweep the floor or whatever, like just do what it takes to get it done. And then when you win and you know that you've been doing that with, you know, have that attitude with people, it's super rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, exciting. And we to have, uh, you know, um, be direct, but nice. Um, but think kind, big. sorry, kind. Yeah. Be direct, but kind. Uh, think big, but. Be effective. Effective. We want big picture, but you have to execute too, mm -hmm. right? Um, you want to be direct. I think in Utah, there's a pervasive passive aggressive nature that is here like people are really really nice and sometimes nice to a fault so they're agreeing in a difficult conversation and then when they leave the room it's like yeah i didn't really like how that went down i don't quite agree with the decision and then that just breeds unhealthiness throughout the organization mm -hmm. so we've made a commitment to each other to we're going to debate things we're going to figure things out but once a decision is made that's the decision and we're going to rally around that. We're going to get it done. And in times where that doesn't happen, we, you know, we nip that in the bud. Like we just can't do that. Yeah. So that's great. I'm, in, I'm interested. You got another yeah, one. No well, I'm interested to know um, maybe if there's anything that comes to your mind around the David and Goliath thing. Like, why is that so important to you? Not just about this problem. Yeah. Um, but, but like in the past, growing up, I don't know, like, yeah. the, the, is there anything that comes to your mind there? And I'm also interested to know what you're learning as, as, as CEO. And I know if you're president and you're CEO, what, what are you mm -hmm. learning? I'm learning it's okay to not know everything. Not just learning. I've known that for a while. I think you have to get comfortable with the fact. Well, let me start it over. I think just like anybody in the world, I have some level of imposter syndrome, just like anybody does. Like, am I the right person for this? Are we the right team for this? Is that, you know, do people believe in us? What if we fail? What will, like, what do other people think or perceive? And are we really that group? Well, 
that motivates me too, because then I'm having this internal conversation like, heck yes, I am. Like, yes, we can do that. And you are too, and you are too, and we can do it. So there's a, a motivation that I think is, um, it's good to strive for something that might be, I guess, unattainable. Like think, that's why we like think big, like look, go after big audacious things. Um, and having that David and Goliath, well, nobody thought that David would win against Goliath. And there's, so there's, not to bring uh, theology into it, it's just like if people are betting against us, we're pretty stubborn people, both of us are. Competitive. And competitive, say. and we want to win. <laughs> you know, we really, we want to win. And there's multiple ways that that can happen. And there's reasons why it's, sure, there's financial things, but it's also just like doing good in the world. Like it's, I believe that this company is actually doing good for profit, for good. And that's, that feels good mm. to me, you know, when you're seeing people's faces light up and there's an emotional connection because they, their personal lives have fundamentally been changed because we have unlocked dollars that they can go towards buying books, paying for a babysitter. I mean, just little things. Mm. There's this emotional connection that I think gets created with a brand really that we're trying to build nobody's ever put an ADP sticker on the back of their car yeah. I'm hoping that every changes that and well not that they'll put an ADP, <laughs> ADP sticker but it'd be <laughs> every <laughs> shape, yeah there that there's like yeah I mean yeah well said I didn't say that right but yeah I I, I hope that we build a business that um, employees and people that we serve um, have a connection to it and feel that we value them and um, hopefully we make their lives just a little bit better. Yeah, and if your motivation is just pure, uh, if, it's, if it's all about money, then the connection to the business and your, your uh, desire to continue with it, I would imagine over time diminish and maybe um, become difficult. But, you know, solving this problem and actually benefiting the lives of others, it, it kind of gets you through those ebbs and flows of you know, building a business because there are those ebbs and yeah. flows, right? So yeah, having a real human ups and downs, yeah, right. a real human problem to solve is is going to last forever, I guess. And, right. Uh, yeah, I'm still curious to know if there's an early David and Goliath story from your younger years. Oh yeah, <laughs> can you think of one? Well, I can think of a lot. Um, <laughs> look, skinny braces, buck teeth, glasses. <laughs> Mullet. Well, the mullet. Mullet, well, mullet came later, but twelve-year-old, <laughs> you know, twelve-year-old, so thirteen-year-old <laughs> Brett getting picked on and you know beat up. Really, walking home from school, growing up, you know, you know, wasn't an everyday thing. But I definitely know what it feels like to be singled out and you know picked on in a way. And thank you so much for bringing up that topic. It's great to dredge that up. Um, <laughs> Let's dive deep. It's like dive deep. Let's get into it. But there's those moments of like, man, for nothing really that I did, just how I looked, getting pounded on, that doesn't, you know, feel good. I did have a mullet, but it, when I had the mullet, it was cool. So that was yeah. okay. So you're emerging um, out of that awkward Emerging out of the right awkward stage. There was a moment, there were a couple moments I remember from my early childhood when some of those kind of bullying things were taking place and I had a group of friends that saddled up next to me and probably just got beat up with me, but were my friends no matter what happened. And I think throughout my life, I've really appreciated uh, loyalty and just 
being kind to people. And so there's the David and Goliath of like a larger group picking on, you know, smaller groups or whatever, where it just cuts me wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't like things that I perceive to be unfair in personal life or professional life. This particular problem that we're solving seems inherently unfair that people are treated, you know, or compensated in a way that they are. And so... Yeah, there's well, some that. sharing that. I mean, it is your value part of I'm your. Not sure if past. that's what you were it looking matched, for. It well, came from. I went a little it just, bit. It just matches what you're trying to do in, yeah. inside the company. You mentioned one of the values, right? Being kind or something like that. Directly um, kind. Yeah. 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 Di- yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I, I'm interested. I don't know where you want to go next, but I am interested in you know, how you stay close to that human problem. Um, you know, when when you're thinking of whether it's the customer interviews. We had Nate, by the way, Nate walking through on series yeah. one, but, but you'll know all about how important it is to keep close to the customer and really understand who they are. In fact, mm-hmm. ones that you don't even know about. Maybe, maybe it's underrepresented groups or yeah. how do they... I, I'm just interested to know what you do around that and what you're learning about it. I don't know if you wanted to go down that avenue. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. great. Let's I, having empathy is, takes work. And it's hard that an easier path in, in life is just worrying about maybe yourself. Um, it's a, maybe a faster track for things. Um, but having empathy in your personal and professional life is so rewarding because when you start to understand the view from somebody else's see, it opens up your eyes to things and changes your thinking and I think that we have that perspective with every. There's a very strong empathetic, are the decisions we're making, how are they impacting employees, are the products and features that we're releasing, or the way that we're selling the product, are we saying it in a way that resonates? Are we building things that actually really do help? And if you can keep that perspective and try to think about things from, from other people's point of view, always, um, I don't know that bad can come out of that. And so you're asking, how do you keep that? Well, I think you need to have empathy just when you're leading and running a business. I think it's really important. Yeah, if I could just touch on that, maybe just in a different way, but when you think of uh, who we sell to, our buyer should be like a HR person or controller or CFO or owner operator, anybody that, that does payroll, they might not know that, Know, their employees are, um, you know, using payday lending or having those, uh, uh, dealing with those issues. Um, and so, like, if it, the more that that, that would uh, become exposed to them, if they were empathetic to their, their, uh, their people, it almost becomes like a, a no-brainer. Like, the, the cost isn't higher. The, the experience of actually you know, using every compared to like a traditional payroll um, uh, app or software, it's actually way easier. And so we're still in the early side, signs of the side of the like adoption curve, I would say, because it's very new. And what we do is like a new way to do things. But I think if uh, like speaking to those uh, payroll administrators out there, if they, um, there was understanding to uh, you know about their employees it would become like an easy decision like oh yeah i can see how that you know my employees potentially could be being impacted by impacted by that and you know why not 
why not do something that benefits them? Mm. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, the fact that ha- allowing your employees to have a choice to alleviate some of those things that maybe they don't understand that maybe some sure. of their employees are, are you taking out payday loans and things like that? I'm interested to know, so if you're in the earlier, earlier stage of the adoption curve, like what are some of the th- what are some of the pain points? Like what are the, some of the things that are actually making awesome it question. really difficult for you right now? Well, um, difficult tech- for us or, or difficult, difficult for, for the, the people we're selling to, yeah. or both? I'd be interested in both. I'm really interested okay. in, in from your guys's perspective. Yeah, like so. Yeah. I'm going to tackle the the um, like what we're seeing as far as the uh, the problem that businesses are coming to us for, and then maybe we can tackle the yeah. second part of that, but. We're seeing that um, companies that have a higher percentage of hourly workers or um, low-wage earners, where this is like a meaningful um, benefit to them, they're coming to us in a, you know, in a, in a big way. And oftentimes, those kind of business inherent with having, you know, hourly workers or low-wage uh, workers, there's oftentimes retention problems and um, recruiting. recruiting retention uh, challenges. It's, it's just part. Uh, of that, and so we find that companies that coming to that are coming to us, um, they're able to retract, you know, attract talent a, a lot better. And when those you know employees come in, they they tend to stick. So if you're an employee and you're getting paid every day, you know, might you might think twice leaving that uh, company to go for somebody, and then you're back to that same you know two three week pay cycle. So. Um, you want to touch on like what type of companies that we see? Yeah, so we're, I mean, f- slight sales pitch here, but we're a full-featured payroll platform. We, have, we provide all of the things that, that you would expect from payroll plus the speed to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a payment side that really is geared towards this gig economy. Yep. You see all of these businesses out there, especially, you know, we're in the midst of a global pandemic and you see the DoorDashes and Grubhubs of the world, but there are thousands of other businesses that are in the gig marketplace arena where they're contractors and they just want to be paid for the delivery that they've made or for the dog that they've walked or even home healthcare or cosmetics or last mile delivery. And we are positioned perfectly for that. So we can pay these people the, the same day that they've worked. And when there's this up and down in, in the economy is up and to the right right now and recovering, but look, there's some challenges that are out there and we feel like we're really helping and we're providing these benefits out there where some of these companies were maybe just Venmoing contractors. Well, what do you do at the end of the year when you have 1099s and all of these taxes? Like that feels really heavy and intimidating. We take care of all of that. So we help the little guy compete with the big guy. And they're not even really little companies we're working with as far as the scope of the contractors that they work with. It's thousands and tens of thousands um, of contractors. So um, we're, you know, we're, we're really well positioned, I think, for where the economy and where the, I think what we're doing will be the expectation and the norm in the very near future. I think, I know we're a bit ahead of the curve when people hear what we do, it's like, that's ridiculous, or that's hard, or how would you actually do that? But when you really get into it, we've made it so simple. It's, it's, one, it's really easy. It's one of those things that, like, you can imagine it does become the standard, and then, like, a couple of years after that, people are like, how is it not that it was always right. like this? Yeah. It just sure. seems so simple. 
Well, you were talking about one of the challenges that we face, right? That's one of them, yeah. overcoming people's um, understanding of how things work. Mm. And can you really do that? And this feels hard and that's scary. And so that's absolutely something that we have to do. We have to earn people's trust and we have to do what we say we're going to do and make their lives better. The administrator who's doing it or the CFO, but as well as the employee. So that's certainly something that is a challenge for us. Mm. Yeah, and I would say like, I always use the examples of, um, you know, getting a, a video rental. Like we've probably all experienced way back in the day, like Blockbuster, or even before that, like going to the grocery store and you're lucky if you get the we rented the VHS player of, actually you know the movie you want to watch <laughs> and it's just a bad model it's inefficient yeah. um, you know and that of course was replaced by I, I would I think the next stage in that was uh, maybe Redbox mm -hmm. made it a little bit more easy to mm -hmm. deal with and then beyond that now it's just like you know log on to your your computer your TV and start streaming so that's ultimately the more frictionless experience and best experience and that's I would give that same kind of analogy with what we're building like if you go back in time it's you know old and clunky and we've just built something that's just super f easy to use and really fast mm. or if you, I mean there's a bunch of analogies there like the give us another one the maps <laughs> <laughs> give us the another map so I mean I've used like you know the paper the fold out paper map and navigating to that location I mean just it's terrible right I just type in an address and it just takes you there. And that's sort of what we're what we've built. Yeah. Hmm. Well, voice instead of typing, right? What was that? Yeah, just, just say where you want just, to go. Just say where you want to go. Yeah. Even easier. Um, I'm interested. So the actual um, the biggest benefit of being paid quickly. So I never really thought about that, but you've got basically millions of people. Probably I don't know, seventy-eight percent or. 86%, I can't remember what you... Oh, uh, yeah. People, yeah. Almost 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Right. Pre-pandemic. That's about 100 million people. So, yeah. so let me throw, you, throw this out just so I understand, and maybe it's other things you're going to offer in the future as well. But So th those individuals, you're going to... It really impacts them. It positively impacts them. Sure. Um, if they choose, right? Mm -hmm. they, they can choose the payment. Um let me just add, thir yeah. over 30% of people that make over $100,000 a year also live paycheck to paycheck. Right. So it's yeah. it's not necessarily um, who you would automatically go to. There's a there's a problem in our working society with this. So sorry. Yeah, and so that this is going to solve well. It, so there's a few things in the mix, right? There's, there's this is one of the big problems that we're solving. Another one is budget, like better budgeting or. Or you know, other other things, they might not. I mean, this is going to help massively. Do you? Where does that come into kind of your? I, I, even going back to the interviews, which you you probably do hundreds of interviews or will be, you know, with your customers. Not yet, but after the Swell podcast, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be crazy. The demand. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, what what other things are maybe in the pipeline to help? those individuals, I don't know if it's, I don't know how this would even fit into your model, but there is fundamentals. I know where you're going. Um, well, first of all, there's probably, I don't know, 5% of people that earn a wage that no matter what you do for them, they're going to mismanage their money and there is no silver bullet and people live beyond their means. Mm. 
So it's not a save all, but there's an element of, of, I would say, control that we're giving back to people on how they can manage. Um, you know, think into the future, um, investing, budgeting. Um, we are the source of the income. And so um, the information or just trends that we see will just help us build and provide tools that are, again, to the empathy and talking to the customers of what they're looking for and how that's informing our product development process. So without just saying we're absolutely going this direction, we want to be flexible, we want to be fast, and whatever it is that um, we're seeing could benefit our customers, we're open for it. It was interesting. We were we were having a discussion about this before before the podcast, Spencer and I. And I was like, "Man, when I was younger, if I could get if I could have gotten paid every day, I'm not sure I would have been responsible enough to do the right thing with my money." And the interesting point that Spencer made to me was, "Well, what's interesting is so the more you get paid every day, the more you're thinking about it. Like you're essentially building this habit." So eventually, yeah. like as opposed to thinking about it twice a month or every two weeks, sure. right? Yeah. You're having to think about it and you're having to build that habit to make the right decisions on a daily basis. Yeah. With what, what are you doing with that, with that money that you just got paid? Well, you know, you know what it does is it, it, it gives a time-stamped value to your effort. Right. So if you're considering whether to get that Samsung, you know, whatever television or pair of shoes, and yeah. you think to yourself, okay, do I want that as much as Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday or all of last week or the last two weeks? It puts it into a, you know, if you have cash in your wallet and you see dollars going out or you're just swiping a credit card because nobody sees that and yeah. it's out there. So there's a value to, to your effort that, that um, workers gain with the services and the features that we provide for sure. It's a yeah. different value and it's a different way of thinking. Yeah, and you get the whole benefit of the time value of money too. So yeah. if you do, um, you know, want to invest or or do anything uh, quicker with your money, you have that that benefit. Yeah. Whereas if you're get, getting paid much later, you're just somebody's earning the interest off it, right? Exactly. It's either you or the payroll company. Right. So I would think that most people would prefer that it be them because yeah. they work for it. Even to just have the choice and yeah. being like, I love, I love that you guys yeah. used on demand as well. Like that's yeah. very intriguing. Yeah. Some people select just, Hey, I just want it on the biweekly. Like I already have it, but knowing that there's a button in our app mm. that says, pay me for the days that I've worked and it's there the same day. And who else does that? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. So we have some pretty unique features that we built. So, um, this is Ron's brainchild, but there's the manager verification idea of a verification of the hours that are worked. So you as a manager, just get a text message at the end of the day. Do you approve this? It swipes left and payroll's gone. So you process payroll for our whole company every day. Yep. 90 seconds, a minute. What does it Not take? Not even that. It's, I mean, it's a few all seconds of our, a day. All really of our employees easy. have choice. Yeah, Majority choose daily. Some don't, but you process it daily. Yeah, and I, I probably should delve just a little bit here to provide some, uh, I guess, explanation for that. So really, when you think about the process of payroll, 
in accelerating that, the complexity really happens when uh, with hourly workers because they have to clock in, clock out, and you have to track their time. Uh, that time needs to be like looked at or, or verified, and then the administrator needs to approve and move that through. And so we've built it. So in a really quick way, like Brett mentioned, you know, managers that are really that are closer to those workers and knowing what their time actually is, they we've built it so there's just a really easy way for them to to stay on top of and you know view, edit, approve, like verify those hours so that when the administrator gets it to process the payroll, they just know it's 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 done. You know, it's it's uh, good to go. And traditional payroll. Uh, it's really inefficient because basically those time punches accumulate for, you know, two, two and a half weeks. Mm. And when it comes time to processing that, the, the burden falls on the administrator and they're, you know, they're apart from where that work is actually happening. So they have to think back, you know, two weeks ago, did that person work eight hours or was it seven and a half hours? I don't know. There's a lot of time fraud that happens. It's, you know, inaccurate and it's a mess. So if you think about like the process of you doing your dishes, like if you're going to wait to do your dishes until like, you know, after two weeks, you got a project on your hand. It's a problem. <laughs> and it's right? messy. It's going to take yeah. you a lot longer and it's going to be messy. Uh, we've built it so that they can stay on top of that stuff just like really easy, real time. Mm. So it just makes it just the whole uh, thought of like processing payroll, it just, it's, we have customers that said it used to take them like days to get through that and we're talking like you know seconds to a minute a day it's just that easy it's amazing so you're getting efficiencies and, and your actual administrators their mps score or their satisfaction levels are going up right and the actual employee yeah we've been told that there's um around a 30 percent increase in retention from some of our customers it's also forcing conversations to what Ron was alluding to, because if you get detached from the business and you're only talking at the end of two weeks, um, okay, that's not great. But if you're talking possibly every day, because you're expecting your pay, why didn't you get paid? It's forcing conversations in a more frequent manner, which alleviates time fraud, what you're saying, but it also creates more communication opportunities for employer yeah. employees. And we've seen it. It's, it's very interesting, the behavior change that happens in a business when they when they launch that because you know it takes maybe a day or two and they're those time punches for their those employees they get really accurate really quick because um, you know they're right so the behavior's paid. changed yeah. they're getting business. paid every yeah. day and so they want their their time punches to be accurate to make sure that that happens really quick and so it's just a, a good uh you know efficiency boon to the the business when they deploy us whereas like if old school i mean you know they might not might not be front of mind if they have an error in their time punches that might just like mm. you know sit and they might not fix it for um you know immediately and it might just sit and you know never get resolved and there's you know you have time fraud or bigger issues and uh, we've kind of we've tackled that and fixed it that's the kind of payroll stuff that may not sound sexy to the, the normal person <laughs> <laughs> but if you're having to deal with those problems it's a it's a huge improvement I think it was, you were talking about efficiency, and it was, it, what's, what's really intriguing me, I think, right now is this, just this idea that, I mean, what you guys are doing, like, if one day you're getting paid every two weeks, one day you're getting paid that same day, and it's just that same day at, at that point, and it affects efficiencies, but I'm also wondering in, like, 
you know, when you think about their cultures and those organization cultures, I mean, it's, it's such a shift, you know, in terms of my value and getting paid for my value. I'm wondering if, if there's anything else culturally, culturally within these other companies that, that start using every, that, that they are noticing, you know, beyond efficiency, maybe even, you know, finding more, uh, I guess, purpose and value yeah. and meaning in their work, right? And a connection to the business itself. You know, you look down Silicon Slopes here and we're in this beautiful kiln space. There's a recruiting element of come work for us. We have a shuffleboard table. Yeah. We have a candy wall. We have a gym membership, haircuts. I mean, whatever people do. Well, you're in the midst of a pandemic. People are moving virtual. What do those kind of ancillary benefits really, they don't really matter as much or they're coming into question as to their value. Yeah. There's one thing that doesn't change and um, offering every or a solution like ours to your employee base, I mean, that means you care and you are shifting your thinking to something that impacts my life when I might be having a really hard time because we don't know what's going on in people's lives. I think that's really surfaced over this, this last year is, yeah. you know, we get stuck at home and we're in this, this pandemic and, you know, some people are hurting. You know, it's, it's a hard time. So when an employer shifts the way that you're being compensated in a recognition that I may not know everything that's going on in your life, but I recognize that it might be challenging for you right now. I'm just going to provide you more choice because I appreciate the value that you bring to the business yeah. That increases loyalty. That makes you feel like you matter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't we all yeah. want that? And to, that you're doing something that people value and that you're providing some worth in the world? Yeah. Well, I know, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's amazing. And I, I know for us, Spencer and I, um, well, uh, something somebody said to us once really kind of, I think stuck with us and it was, uh, you know, you can't change culture with, with a poster. Right. Yeah. And if you really think about it, something that we've been thinking a lot about is what, what, what are the things that can really design culture and influence culture? And, you know, a lot of going way be like, I think we're all getting really, uh, aware of, uh, propaganda and spin and, you know, all these things that don't feel real or human and, I guess that's what prompted that, that question, I guess, is it, it feels like the most direct intervention you can make to really showing value in an employee. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way to put it's, it. Yeah. It's fast. I, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, it is really, really interesting. And I, um, I'm wondering two different places we yeah. can go before we finish off, which is, um, one I'm wondering, and we might take this out, but yeah, your talk, your, your, like which customer base is going to be benefiting the most? And I'm, I'm going to jump to a conclusion because some of the work we've done with um, uh, minority groups and minor, minority actually customers, so black-owned small businesses and their employees, for example. It's, I mean, the wealth gap is actually one of the biggest challenges in that group. And I, I wonder whether that's, whether you've got to the stage of, you know, like which which is yeah. that one of your priority actually groups um, to benefit from your product? Um, that's one avenue, and the other avenue is something to do with um, your your top, <laughs> which is a lot less important. <laughs> your brand, your swag. Oh, okay. We'll go there in a minute. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I wouldn't say that we're targeting uh, ethnically or things like that. Um, 
we're focused on vertical problems and there are um i would say that there's uh the broad uh swath of um ethnicities ethnicities across um the people that are trying to that are suffering from from these types of, of pay gaps right that we're seeing it's but there's certain businesses and verticals that have inherent challenges that have those types of workers in them and we're focused on solving the problems for those verticals and you know i think that it can contribute to helping some of the other things that yeah. you've mentioned but i wouldn't say that that's key to our go-to-market strategy sure. or yeah. a question about the swag <laughs> you want some i'm looking oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. yeah but um now you like streetwear i do you i think you told yeah. us um mm -hmm. and uh sneakers and of course you both actually got really nice pairs of sneakers <laughs> on right now. Um, I, I, I want some credit for this idea if it ever comes to, okay. to fruition, okay? And every sneaker yeah. getting paid quicker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> getting paid quicker. Yeah. Let me think about that. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had, yeah. But anyway. I like the idea. I, you know, if we're going to produce swag, uh, we'd like it to be something that people would wear. You know, and it's not just for slapping a logo, but you do look damn handsome right now in Thanks, your hoodie. Man. Thanks. Yeah, you look I was good. thinking the same thing. <laughs> Very <laughs> handsome. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> just goes along with, uh, uh, you know, what we're building, and it represents, you know, something different than I would say is in our market. Um, you know, we often look at some of the competition in the space and the, I guess, payroll companies that have been around for decades, and you know, I envision maybe going into their company and you know might be like going into the DMV or something that's old and you know not aspirational to go work for and we just represent something that's way different so like Barlow mentioned or Brett mentioned sorry Kelly Barlow <laughs> that's all right it's <laughs> part of my name you know, I, I hope someday we see people walking around with our you know with our swag or a sticker on the back of their car or something like that and that resonates well, with what we represent yeah we want people to be proud to work there they mean something to us and that they're helping other people. And if they want to rock the gear, then certainly wouldn't be required, but <laughs> happy to provide it. <laughs> That's great. Well, I think we, did you have another question before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've yeah, got go a couple. For yeah, go for it. So I actually want to know, going back to even your backcountry days, I, I would just be interested to know. Skull like, candy. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I said backcountry. I do you know good people from backcountry, okay. <laughs> but we were at Skull Candy. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I did a Same lot of shopping lot, at backcountry and at Skull Candy at a certain point in my life. It's but all yeah. good. Um, so Skull Candy, when you guys, so were you guys, were you guys friends at the time and just became really good friends? And like, did you guys chat about like the idea of like really kind of going off and building something together? Or was it really just required the right time to reach out to each other because you guys were just great friends from, from Skull Candy? Yeah, I would say more the latter. Like yeah. we just stayed in touch because we were good friends and we were part of a group that you know became really close mm. uh, in those Skull Candy days. And I, I would say more like a brotherhood. Like we just were very close. Mm. Um, did things outside of work that you know sometimes you're in a work environment. And it's like what do you call it? The sitting in the airport. What's the analogy there? Yeah, I use the airport test. Would I be okay if I had a layover and just got stuck with somebody? Because that's you don't feel good. You're hungry. You're probably sweaty. Are you okay hanging with that person? And Ron passes the airport test. Yeah, I mean, there's just you know, there's a lot of people from there that do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. From Skull Candy. 
Okay. Well, yeah. so we've had an hour talking to you guys. Did we pass? Do we pass the airport test? <laughs> absolutely. 100%. Well, you're in the airport with us right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, you know, I, th- I think maybe just to, to your last question here to Ron, there, I think that you know, you start to develop a, um, an understanding of the people that you trust mm. when you're doing hard things together. And so I don't know that we had an I- idea like, hey, yeah, mm. let's do this thing. We didn't really talk about that. But I always knew that there's a small group of people that if they ever ask something of me, I'm there. Yeah. And I'm not going to give you that list of people, but they, I would imagine they know who they are, and he's one of them. That's cool. All right, one last question for yeah. me then. Um, so as you look forward into the future, you know, what are some of the biggest big questions that, you're, that you guys are asking each other right now about kind of where you're going and some of the interesting potential problems or yeah what are some of the big problems or questions that you are looking at into the next you know two years five years i don't know really to me it's it's more just getting known yeah Um, you know it's a it's a big market and building a a company you know people might not know what they don't know Mm -hmm. so you'll be helping us in that with your your podcast here and that's great and it's more just doing that because i think we have a fantastic product it's a great experience not only for the the administrator of the company but also for the employee and so um i think it's more just building the brand and getting getting out there yeah i think there's an authenticity authenticity that i would like for us to maintain as we scale and get bigger sure. i would I, I hope we continue to stay as a business core to our roots of why we started this and you know our intention is to 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 grow this to be as big as we can and it's not for maybe the reasons that you might think to do that um it's the bigger we get the more people we help that's really what it comes down to the more dollars that we have in the business the more we invest in the product the more people we help so there's a there's a flywheel effect that happens with that so we want to grow. We want to maintain our authenticity of, of core to, to who we are as, as people, but also why we started the company. And I think good things will happen. Hope they are happening. We love it. And then to end it, just don't be an a-hole, right? Like, yeah, standard. Don't be an a-hole. <laughs> that's a, that's a, Yes. If you're going to set the bar, is just a, don't be that. Is that a written value? No. Yeah. Um, no, but I put it on a billboard. It was on a billboard? Mm-hmm. At Plural Site. Nice. Yeah. It said equal opportunity except for a-holes. <laughs> I think I might remember that. Yeah. Some people didn't like that. I think my mom actually wrote a letter to the CMO, who was me at the time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> wondering why you would... Why would such a great company have such a crass, I think the word, or vulgar maybe, mm-hmm. word? Like, mom, because it's not for you. If you know what it's like to work with an a-hole, you know how yeah. bad that can be. And so we're enforcing that here. All right. Very good. Well, if anyone wants to contact you, get in touch, uh, have a conversation. Yeah. Where, where, where can you do that? Brett's cell phone number. Excellent. Yeah. That's uh, our last guess. How about email? <laughs> Would email suffice? <laughs> Brett.barlow at every and ron.ross at every, every.com. 
and we really um, thanks for thinking of us. Appreciate the invitation. I've really yeah, enjoyed great the conversation. conversation. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Best of luck with this. It's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, thank so. you. Thanks for being a part of it, and we'll we'll send you the hype video for the first one, and uh, you'll start to see st- stuff pretty soon from Kiln or from ourselves. Okay. We do um, six uh, member highlights uh, from Kiln every month uh, or every series as well. So we've had six. We've uh, companies be a part of that. Great. Uh, of course, you've had you've actually you're actually a guest uh, mm-hmm. as well. So we, we cover that off. Yeah. So great. And if you ever want to talk culture. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Our pleasure. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Swell Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. And if you did enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave a review uh, and get involved in the conversation on all the major socials at The Swell Pod. We'll see you next time. Thank you.